Hello and welcome to the Scrimba podcast. On this weekly show, I speak with successful developers about their advice on learning to code and getting your first junior developer job. Here, we like to bring you a balance of guests who are experts, as well as guests who are learners that recently found a job. My guest today, Sirhan from Turkey, is one of those successful learners. The worst nightmare is that you have absolutely no one to ask anything. And uh, I know from my past experience that some of these problems, when I, when I see it in coding for the first time, some of these problems, I know that this is a matter of minutes and it's been days and I don't know the answer and you have to ask around and so on. I am willing to bet that Sirhan was recently in the same or a similar position to you. Now, after many interviews, including an unsuccessful one at Microsoft, Sirhan managed to crack the coding interview and transition from an economics graduate and project manager at his family's jewelry business to a developer. Let's find out exactly how Sirhan did it and how you could too. I'm from Istanbul, Turkey, and uh, I studied economics in university. After that, I went to work in my family company, which was a jewelry store. I was doing mainly marketing and project management there. I ended up doing this ERP software for my company because everybody was offline and it was bugging me. So I, I it was creating big problems. And then I just ended up researching some user-friendly tools to help me build some applications. And then I found one which included its own coding language. I remember wishing for an, you know a good time to start learning the actual thing, like HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. And approximately a year later, I was lucky enough to find a job. And now I am a software engineer at a big company and I'm a member of a team of four developers. That's pretty much my story. That's awesome, man. One year is not that long to go from being pretty new to coding to getting a job, but not just any company, but what sounds like a really exciting one to work at. When you decided you wanted to sort of dig into HTML, CSS and, and learn all the kind of conventional technologies, where did you go to learn those things? And how did you structure your learning being a self-taught developer? You get lost easily. Luckily, I had an ex experience with self-teaching before with music production, and that was like for years. And that was also a similar process. So I knew at least the mentality of it all, you know, like the psychology and the ups and downs and so on. What is the mentality of it? The worst nightmare is that you have absolutely no one to ask anything. And uh, I know from my past experience that some of these problems, when I, when I see it in coding for the first time, some of these problems, I know this is a matter of minutes and it's been days and I don't know the answer and you have to ask around and so on. I used to think of it as the exercise to uh, grow patience to debug certain issues because you have to be patient. You can't force it, especially with developing, debugging, that kind of stuff. I used to be very impatient and I was making things more difficult. So I taught myself that. It took some time, but towards the end, I was able to do that. It is frustrating, isn't it, when you have a problem and you just can't shake the feeling that you could solve it quicker and you're like, oh, I've been doing this for weeks, months. I should be able to solve this quicker. It's like you, you found out some cool feature and then you've learned it and you're, you're trying it out and it works and then you want to keep at it. You want to go on and building new stuff on top of it and one small tiny bug is stopping the whole thing and then you have to just you can't do anything else at those times i felt like giving up the closest to giving up i felt at those times were because of this definitely because you don't know you don't even know if you're gonna be able to find someone to help you out you know i tried to find some tutors some teachers or something but you know i later on i found out that everybody who's good enough to be a teacher they're already working in development <laughs> 
so they don't have time for me. <laughs> and how did you sort of structure your learning? Like what platforms did you use? Well, basic crash courses from YouTube and uh, as a start for HTML and CSS and JavaScript. And then I found out that, you know, tutorials are good and everything, but when, when it comes to the actual thing, they can't really be so comprehensive, you know, and I, I needed better tutorials, actually. Because as a beginner, I got confused very easily. So some of the tutorials were not for me, let's say, most of them, actually. I tried a bunch of them and uh, I wouldn't understand what I'm reading from Stack Overflow most of the time. So that wasn't uh, really helpful in the beginning. So I went for always the beginner courses and then I ended up, uh, I discovered Scrimba, which fixed all of these issues, actually. I could understand everything very simply. And then I got into JavaScript because by the time I, I found out about Scrimba was uh, HTML and CSS was okay, not so good, but uh, JavaScript were nowhere near. That helped really good, uh, the Scrimba tutorials. And then I finished like quite a bunch of them. And then once I felt comfortable with all of those, I joined a group in Discord, a group of five people or something. And they were meeting every now and then to discuss, like there was a one senior there and he, he wanted to teach us some React stuff. I knew that I wanted to do React. So I joined them, you know, I had a few classes, let's say, and I was going good, but it wasn't so frequent. So then I thought like, let's find other groups. So I went to Telegram and found as many groups as possible. But Telegram groups are disconnected from each other. You know, you don't always get answers or interactions from them. But you found that sense of being around people and community very helpful and motivating. Yeah, definitely. The most motivation came from Scrimba communities because, you know, Scrimba communities get together like three, four times a week and the content is beautiful. You get to talk, rec uh, see recruiters talk or people who had just find jobs or professionals, influencers. Most of the influencers that were there were, you know, I was watching them from YouTube and I was admiring them, their work, and you get to watch them live and, you know, what more do you want <laughs> for a motivation? Thanks, man. That's really motivating to hear. And I remember you and I actually met at one of these community events. We don't do it anymore. It was like a kind of experiment to see how it would go. But the event was called Give Help, Get Help. And the idea was that if you had a coding problem or something, you could join the Zoom call with teachers from Scrimba and maybe more experienced students. And we would all try and like connect with each other and help each other where we could. You had a pretty interesting problem, I felt like. Yeah, I was nervous about my Microsoft interview. You know, I remember actually, I, I was nervous about the interview and I was going crazy a little bit. And then I saw what it's about the, that meeting. And I said, all right, that's a sign from the universe. So let's try it out. And then, uh, and then it was very helpful, actually. It was helpful in the sense that, you know, you guys helped me out a little bit about the anxiousness that I had with Microsoft, like the most you can, of course. But then I really liked how it felt to talk to people who are trying to do the same thing. That stuck with me. So whenever I was feeling off a bit or, or, or had a free time or something, I just went straight to Scrimba communities and that was very helpful. Our listeners won't forgive me if I just glance over the fact that you had an interview at Microsoft. I have to ask, how did that come about? And was that, I'm just wondering, did that opportunity come about as your first opportunity to interview at a company or did it happen while you were looking for jobs elsewhere? Actually, it was almost the first. It was a coincidence a little bit because my brother happened to uh, meet the recruiter from Microsoft 
and he mentioned about me. The recruiter said that they're actually hiring and trying to expand the team in Prague. So they, you know, he'd like to talk to me. And that's how it came about. And they decided to give me a shot. And uh, they did. And I decided to give it a shot. And I did. <laughs> I was so nervous. I didn't know much, actually. One of the questions I had from there was, you know, I was doing freelance projects for my cousin and for, for people like they didn't need user interaction. The only thing they needed was to just present their company or their portfolio. So I didn't really make any async requests or fetch requests or something like that. I don't I didn't know. I know how they work, like I memorize, but I don't know the logic behind. And uh, they asked me in Microsoft interview to do a fetch request only without without the fetch method, like the actual thing and uh, explain them the logic of everything and how it works. And so they really wanted to see that I know what I'm doing with what happens there. And I didn't. That was a failure. <laughs> and they were really great too. Like they're really great people, friendly, and they, they, they try hard to make you feel comfortable and so on. But I was just so nervous. So I just like went downhill from there on. And uh, like I couldn't see really basic stuff that they were asking me because I was nervous. And I was realizing that, you know, I, I was watching myself fail. I get that feeling. You're on tilt, like you just overthink things. It's not comfortable, is it? Yeah. It's five hours interview too. That's crazy. The first hour is about introduction and me introducing myself and then like a few questions, like basic questions about coding, testing, React. The second one was Q&A for architecture, but not coding. The third one was this that I mentioned, the fetch request thing. And uh, the fourth one was about data structures and algorithms. And I didn't know any data structures or algorithms or something like that. That's why I was very nervous, actually, because the study material is huge. I was sure that they were going to ask not so easy questions because it's huge. Turns out that they ask very, very simple, basic algorithm questions at the interview. And I could do a little bit of them with some help. I didn't do a terrible job at the fourth one. But I don't know why I didn't get that job because they, I didn't get a reply or, or anything. What I'm sort of imagining is that even though you weren't successful at this interview, it probably was a great experience. Like it probably helped you a lot succeed a little bit later at this new company. But they didn't give you any sort of specific feedback. They just kind of ghosted you, it sounds like. That's pretty bad. I kind of wish I knew why I failed. Like, at what point yeah. was I right in my assumptions? Were you tempted to reach out to them and ask, like, what happened? But I, I did, actually. Uh, no response. Oh, man. Uh, I guess they have tons of interviews or something like that, but I didn't get, I didn't, I couldn't manage to get a response from them. That sucks. Where did you go yeah. from there, Serhan? Like, what happened between Van and, and you getting this job? You know what, actually, I, I was so close to canceling the Microsoft interview out of like, because I was so sure that I wasn't going to get it. And then I thought, like, I, I asked a couple of people around and I, I convinced myself that it's going to be an experience, even if I don't get it. I just did it for the experience sake. And, uh, and that's what happened. And, um, you know, I liked that I did it very much, even though I failed. And uh, I wanted to get into more interviews. I felt improved a little bit. I saw myself and how I did during interview process and I saw that I wasn't very good, but I saw also that I could be very good, much better, let's say. I had a lot of things to improve and uh, actually how I felt the next interview was very good because it wasn't five hours, it wasn't Microsoft, it was more my speed. And the things that I knew, they asked about React, they only cared about React. So I was comfortable at it. And they gave me a test of a marketplace page, like code this for us, and then we'll review your code, basically. It's not a live coding thing. Well, I did that and I loved it. And I sent it. I didn't get the job though. <laughs> 
but they gave me feedback. They said like the the code had duplications. It wasn't at a level that they were looking for. And that was good enough. Then I think by doing more and more interviews, I got calmer and calmer during interview processes. And that helped tremendously. The way I talked changed and uh, I was I was very comfortable about the things that I didn't know. I was also comfortable about facing challenges during live coding. You know, if I didn't know, I didn't know. Like, I'm not good with this, but let's see how far I can go. That uh, made me even more calm. And then I did a lot of interviews after that. Some of them were coding tests like live. Some of them were just like 20 minutes talks about who am I and so on. Most of them no replies and uh, yeah, a bunch of interviews. And then I got to the point where I met these guys, uh, the company that I work for right now. If you are enjoying this episode of the weekly Scrimba podcast, please do us a favor and share it with your friends on social media. Word of mouth is the single best way to support a podcast that you like, so thanks in advance. Next week, I'm talking with Dan Moore, author of Letters to a New Developer, a very pleasant and helpful book in which Dan includes short lessons he wish he knew as a new developer. What I want to do is catalog some of the things that I thought were true that weren't in a way that was easy to consume. And I've had good feedback from people who've read it and people who've read the blog will help illustrate aspects of a new job as a developer that aren't really obvious from outside. There were just so many people coming to meetup groups I was going to and that I was talking to who were coming out of boot camps or other programs and just having a really hard time finding a job. And I just wanted to help them as best I could. He joins us on the podcast to retell some of his stories as well as answer questions about finding your first job. That is next week on the weekly Scrimba podcast. So please make sure you subscribe in your podcast app of choice, be that Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts or anything else. And hopefully I'll see you then. Back to the interview with Sirhan. Most people think of failure or success as like very binary or Boolean, I should say, like you either fail or you succeed. But to be honest, when you fail, we know there can be an upside. Like for one thing, we might get feedback that helps us improve for next time. But deeper than that, when you fail, it's a bit of a kind of uncomfortable feeling. But once you get past that after an afternoon or a day and you're in the quietness of your house, you kind of reflect on it and you're like, huh, that that wasn't so bad. And it, it fundamentally shifts you. It makes you have a totally different approach towards failing as long as it's the same thing, right? And I think in your experience, you realize that, well, they said no. I mean, you've, you probably had heard that before you went to the interview but oh the worst they can say is no but it's not until you really experience it but you internalize it you know what i was i was really doing some interviews for the sake of getting used to hearing no nice i knew i wasn't gonna get it but i just went there i i know that they're not gonna hire me but i'm just like this is just as an exercise for me i'm gonna just go through it and see how how i feel afterwards i was thinking to myself it's probably gonna be like 50 no's before i ask so I might as well get through these like really fast. <laughs> yeah, it's a good mindset. It was probably a lot less no's than you're expecting, right? Yeah. It sounds like you didn't have much trouble getting the interviews. Like, what do you attribute that to? What was your approach to finding these interviews? And why do you think you got invited for so many? I was under the impression that it's because IT. I was under the impression that the demand for developers is huge. And that's why I'm getting all of these invitations. But if it's not the same case with every guy who's in the same situation as me, it might be due to the fact that I'm located in Prague. And I keep hearing from people that Prague 
is very, very attractive to all of the companies around the world to open an, an office and uh, create a developer team. Uh, there's a bunch of other companies here starting up here or basically locating their development team in Prague while they're outside. So maybe that was one of the reasons why, but I used to get, still do, but I used to get uh, a couple of messages every two days from recruiters. Through LinkedIn, really? Yeah, I was applying to jobs as well. But then I started to get like messages from LinkedIn, from, from recruiters about different projects and so on. But they were all looking for mid-level developers. I was too junior for all of them. I even got, got a chance to talk with one of them over the phone, actually. And he told me that uh, I'm too junior, which wasn't surprising. So like a lot of no's <laughs> in a row. And then I said to myself, okay, it's probably going to be a couple of, like, I don't know, five, six months before I can get a job. That actually calmed me a little bit. <laughs> you know, you, you close that window. And then when, when actually when Accolade, my current company, called me up and they offered me an interview, I remember thinking it's probably not going to happen. And then I got into the interview and it got to the next level and the next level. And I said, wow, you know, such a surprise. It's a good mindset trick, isn't it? If you lower your expectations so much, you can't be disappointed. You can only be pleasantly surprised. Exactly. It was, it was such a surprise, really. I want to just dig into that point about being in a sort of city like Prague. I just want to sort of challenge you a little bit and ask if you think that there were things about your LinkedIn profile that stood out to recruiters. I mean, I'm looking at your profile now. I don't know what's changed since you got this job, but you've obviously got quite a detailed about section that talks about your path and the technologies you know. I remember when we met, which was before you got this job, this was before even you interviewed at Microsoft, you had a sort of private yacht charter project that was, I think, responsive and looked very pro and you'd been doing some freelancing. I'm just wondering, like, maybe these have more to do with you getting the requests from recruiters than just being in Prague. Probably a combination, right? But what's your take? You're right, actually. I don't know why I didn't pay attention to that, but I was working on my portfolio very hard. I didn't know how to write a good introduction about myself. I had no idea, you know, and I was working my family company straight from university. So I didn't really go through this process before. I remember I found this guy from United States, I guess, and, and a couple of other guys that are developers uh, newly acquired, I would find them from not even friends, actually, like from people that I met on Discord. And I, I used to connect with them on LinkedIn and then jump on other people and then read all of their introductions, mostly Americans, actually, or English people. They're much better at communicating than I am. And so I was like getting inspired from all of those guys' um, introductions about themselves and the, their portfolios and so on. And I, I remember that improving my portfolio a lot. That presentation of yourself is very, very important, I would say, because I, I, I could distinguish those who put the effort from those who didn't. And those who didn't are not low in number, actually. In the industry, it makes a difference. They're high in number. It makes a difference if you just read a sentence. Yeah, I'm a coder and a front-end developer. I do coding. And that's it about me. And then you go to the other guy and then you, you see a complete introduction, a paragraph or something. And then that makes a difference because recruiters get a lot of tons of emails, tons of uh, applications. And some, you know, they have to filter it out somehow. It is remarkable, isn't it? How it doesn't seem like that big of a deal writing an about section or having one project. But the truth is, if you do that, you're in like the 1% of people who do. And it makes a huge difference. You're absolutely right. I actually remember that I, I just met a lead developer in Prague who's at a different company, but I texted him and I said, like, I want to meet. Can we have coffee? 
and he, he, he was a stand-up guy, so he said yes, and then we met up, and then I asked him a couple of questions, because, like, I'm just starting this new job, so maybe you can give me some information, and so on, and he turned out to be interviewing juniors. So he told me, which was surprising to me, because I didn't understand it at the time, but it's it's actually pretty logical. He told me that when people put, you know how you put hobbies in your in your CV? And he told me that, you know, it's disappointing to see people put, I like reading books and uh, I like doing sports or these kind of things in their hobbies when they're applying for the jobs, when they're actually in a position to make a sales pitch for themselves. That's what he told me. And I remember I was not doing so good of a job in my hobbies, actually. <laughs> and then he told, he gave me a couple of examples that he was impressed by. And then I understood, yes, that would make a huge difference. I, if I was a recruiter, I would totally go for that guy, but not for the guy who, who just put like, I read books or I don't know, watch Netflix or something like that, you know, like tons of other people. What? did he recommend that you do instead of putting things like hobbies? I remember him saying, meeting a guy who was publishing articles, which is a difficult thing to have as a hobby, actually. I would simplify that into writing short stories or doing podcasts, really. I would do these things just to put in my portfolio. Or I would realize the things that I was already doing that could be put in the hobby section, actually. I wasn't thinking this way at all. I was thinking, yeah, they're asking me for my hobbies, like really personal stuff. It came as a surprise to me when actually sort of professional things can be put there too, even they're not. Sounds like a pretty cool tip, actually. If you are active in the technology Twitter community or helping other developers, participating in meetups, listening to coding podcasts, probably you have... 10 other hobbies like reading or cooking or whatever but they're not really going to help you get your foot in the door i do know the counter argument like some people say that it's nice to show a bit of personality but probably your resume isn't the place to do that like you just have to get your foot in the door well you both want to test each other to see if you're a good culture fit it's not like the job description <laughs> says our teammates like cooking so why would you do it when you <laughs> when you send a resume yeah yeah i, I never thought that way <laughs> and I think I put cooking <laughs> when I was doing podcasts, actually, when I was writing stories. I, I, didn't, I didn't think of those things, actually. Then I thought, wow, I could have done a much better job. I could have at least researched it. It's easier said than done. Like there aren't enough resources on these kind of things. And when there are resources, they're, they're not always easy to find. I think that's one of the best reasons to subscribe to the Scrimba podcast, because you never know what you might pick up when you listen to an episode. So, Serhan, the company you ended up working for is called accolade yes how did this all come to an end like did they reach out to you for this opportunity or did you apply i made an application from linkedin and a few weeks later i think they reached out to me and uh, asked me for an interview and uh, we met with the hr recruiter and then he told me that there's going to be a second level of the interview and then there was like live coding where my current team was asking me questions and watching me code that went well. It was simple questions about algorithms, uh, a couple of other questions about React and the interview. I mean, they were amazing, really. They made me feel very comfortable, friendly environment. That went well. And then they told me that they wanted me to meet, meet the team. That week, I was in communication with another company from Prague, but that was like sort of outside of Prague. And they have made me an offer as well. Really, it was so surprising. 
and uh, I wasn't expecting that at all. I think they they needed to expand their team for some reason. I wasn't really familiar with their technology that much and so on. But anyway, they made me an offer too. So I had to tell these guys, forgive me if I'm assuming, but like me meeting the team sounds like that I'm going to get an offer. Is that right? And they told me, yes, you're, you're going to get an offer. And uh, I told them about the other offer, but I want this uh, very much, uh, especially after meeting the team. And they're seeing the offices and uh, finding out more about the company. And so by the end, they've made me an offer too. The offer was very nice. So I took the job. And then two months later, I started uh, September 1st. I started my first week. That's amazing. The fact that they both happened at the same time. And from the sound of it, you handled it very well. Like you were very respectful and obviously you need to do what's best for you. You don't want to ignore their offer if this isn't going anywhere. And I wouldn't be surprised. I doubt it was your intention, but I wouldn't be surprised that them knowing you have another job offer just made them want to hire you more. That may be possible. I don't know for sure. <laughs> I mean, this is all new to me, <laughs> to be honest with you. It was like in a week I got two offers. I was like, my me and my friends were we were very shocked. Congrats, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Serhan, thanks, man. Thanks so much for joining me on the Scrimba podcast. I'll make sure to link your Discord in the show notes so people can maybe shoot you some questions if they want to learn more. Definitely. Yeah, anytime. Thank you for reminding me. That was Serhan, a Scrimba student and new developer from Turkey. Remember to please subscribe to the Scrimba podcast both to see interviews with inspiring guests like Serhan in your feed, but also to support the show. This episode was edited by Jan Osanovic, and I am your host, Alex Booker. You can follow me on Twitter at BookerCodes, where I share highlights from the podcast and other news by Scrimber. And lately, I've been participating in a few Twitter spaces about finding your first developer job, so look out for those. See you next week. 